Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. The Bhagavad Gita. It is the best known and most famous of the Hindu texts. But what is it really about? Did you know that the setting for this ancient text is a battlefield and a conversation between a prince going into battle with his guide? Their conversation depicts the ethical and moral struggles of human life and the spiritual path necessary to living one's best life through knowledge, action, and meditation. Many authors have tried to translate this 700-verse manuscript. Today, Isaac Bentwich, physician and author of the newly released book, Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Times, joins us from Galilee, Israel, to share his insight and love affair with his beautifully written translation, which Deepak Chopra calls the ultimate guide for your spiritual journey. So thank you for joining us on this adventure on the path to becoming our best selves. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. So Isaac, as I was looking up some of these things about you, you're a physician and you spent 12 years transcribing this ancient text. How did the Bhagavad Gita come into your life? Well, it really came enmeshed in my life. Of course, when I say that it's I've worked on the translation for 12 years, much of my life has, has gone on through these years, day job and uh, family and uh, life, uh, life itself, but it has become an important uh, thread in, in my life. I first met the Gita uh, 34 years ago in a yoga teacher's training course, uh, a month-long uh, intensive course that was to uh, become a changing point in my life. I was a young medical student at the time, and uh, taking this month off do a intensive yoga, I knew there would be some uh, meditation and some philosophy, and I was okay with that. And it was a, a very powerful. The one thing which I really hated were the Bhagavad Gita classes uh, in this month. So that was my first introduction. And like uh, many uh, great loves, that's how it began. Uh, I did not connect at the time. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but the, the Bhagavad Gita is a, a story of a dialogue between a master and disciple. The, uh, the disciple is an Indian prince, Arjuna. The um, master is uh, his friend, his charioteer, and no less than God incarnate, Krishna. The dialogue is at the beginning of a battle that is about to uh, to ensue, and it touches the, the, the deepest questions of, of life. And we'll talk more about that. But anyway, my initial interaction with the Gita, I, I didn't really uh, relate uh, to it because, you know, I'm very much connected to my Jewish roots. I have a very strong connection to um, uh, Christ and his uh, teachings, we're here in the beautiful uh, Galilee where all of that took place. Uh, so what do I need with uh, Indian mythology and this uh, awkward uh, dialogue didn't really uh, click at the time. 
over time, as I was able to, uh, to read it and, and go beyond the mythology and to uh, see uh, the, the, the great, uh, the, the relevance to, uh, to life uh, here and now. And so I, I, uh, I began uh, working on the translation as part of my sadhana, my internal practice uh, itself. And as I saw the impact that it had in my life, I became very passionate about sharing it with others. So part of the 12 years was just your own experience with the Gita. It was all, uh, it, it's all a part and parcel of the same thing. I mean, different people can uh, read the Gita. Uh, Gita is a nickname for the full name Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita, literally from Sanskrit, uh, divine song. Gita is uh, short, it's a song. And so you can read the Gita from different perspectives. You can read it. It's a wonderful poem. You can read it as uh, understand the history. You can uh, read it as a, a out of curiosity in, in philosophy. I believe that the uh, real value of the Gita is uh, as a guide, a practical guide uh, for our uh, inner journey. And as such, this is a really a, not something for amusement or for intellectual enrichment. It is really at the very concrete level a part of our lives. Uh, that's, that's what it was and is uh, for me. I was captivated by the music of the Gita. We'll, we'll talk more about that. And, but uh, really these uh, pearls of wisdom in trying to polish them until they uh, retain their or regain their original a spark of the Sanskrit original and, and to see them rolling around in my mind during meditation and during life itself. Take this interview right now. It's the uh, imperfectness of, of life that makes it perfect, uh, isn't it? It's never quite what we plan and what we want. In fact, uh, it's uh, in uh, addressing and realizing the, uh, the folly of, uh, of our ego. I want it to be like this. We plan, we, uh, this uh, dance uh, between applying our will and doing our part in life. Uh, we need to do our very best in what we do. Um, so this is not some encouragement of, you know, lay back, uh, Indian style, uh, akuna matata, and, uh, <laughs> as the uh, Africans would say, and uh, take it easy. Uh, no, it's a full will living, uh, which we're encouraged to do. But alongside that, finding the golden path between that and between learning the art of living life wisely, how to uh, live acting, but acting as a prayer, acting not out of ego. It's a lifelong journey, but this is the, but we have all life to practice it. So that's the, uh, the gist of the Gita. <laughs> Well, and that's the beauty, like you said, just of this exact moment and this interview is that that the journey is at times the journey's messy and at times the journey is imperfect. And that, that all of that is actually a part of if you look at the whole, it's part of the entire beauty of the song. 
That's uh, that's so true. And again, uh, you know, they, they give an example. If we take this interview, this interview and what it is for, uh, we can analyze it or and we're encouraged to analyze it. Isaac is encouraged to analyze it from Isaac's perspective. You are um, encouraged to see it as, as uh, from from your perspective. How do we treat every moment in life as a lesson, a divine lesson, which it is? And it's subtleties of this approach that really hook you when you uh, when you start uh, when when you use the the guitar. I'll give an example: Isaac forgot his earplugs and wasn't on time for the interview. Okay, so Gita is very stern uh, on this. Isaac, this uh, is uh, an example of being uh, lax and unorganized. This is part of uh, your being or your personality, which you need to work on, not to be taken lightly or uh, to be brushed uh, aside. You didn't put your uh, earplugs in your pocket at the right time and uh, being respectful of the others and of your duties. And in fact, there are many chapters that or a lot of the Gita revolves around this uh, theme of calling, following one's calling, doing what is right for you, not for someone else and doing your very best at doing it. And yet at the same time, uh, there are other lessons for, uh, for Isaac's life is out of your control. You are not perfect. You cannot be. In fact, who is it that you think you are? We think that we are the mind and the body. Isaac tends to think, I'm an Isaac. My name is Bentwich. I live in Israel. I'm a male. I'm so-and-so years old. I have these, uh, who am I? I am the qualities or the, the, uh, of this personality. The Gita begins by shattering this to uh, connect to a startling, much bigger picture. Perhaps uh, uh, quoting from, from memory, the, the first uh, verses of the, the Gita paint the picture for, uh, for you and for the listeners. As we mentioned, the, the Gita is this dialogue at the beginning of the battle. The prince uh, is called into a defensive fight against vicious family members who are out to uh, kill him. Being a morally uh, guided person, he is reluctant to fight. How can I go into the atrocity of war and inflict harm on others, even if they are evil, even if they are out to kill me? And he says, I don't know uh, to, w to win or to be defeated, which is worse, I hardly can tell, he says. In any ranks stand my own, slaying them, I'd wish death alone. A veil of pity routes my heart, light minds dark, where does my duty lay? Guide me, Master. What ought I do? I'm your disciple. Show me the way. Uh, it, before this beautiful verse, there's a long lecture that he is on the stump, the, the disciple is on the stump, going on and on why the harms of war and why sh I should not uh, fight. And it's only when he breaks down with these words. Guide me, Master. Uh, what ought I do? I'm your disciple. Show me the way. It's only when we open our hearts. I don't know. I, the ego, I do not know. I realize it's the ego. I'm looking for uh, for guidance that the answer comes. And the answer uh, here, the, the teacher uh, responds. The beginning of the, this is in the second uh, chapter, after a couple of pages in the second uh, chapter. Uh, yeah, thus spoke the brave warrior prince, conqueror of uh, the sleep, master of will, I shall not fight, he added, and then spoke no more and was still. 
Then to him, and then comes the, the, the master's answer. Then to him, between the two armies, disconsolate by these tormenting trials, the master ruler of senses spoke, wearing the faintest of smiles. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it a, a, a poetic? You, you can actually see through 2,500 years this Buddha-like faint smile of the teacher. What are you smiling about? Uh, we're uh, feeling the agony of the disciple. We are at war. We're fight. Our life is is a, a succession of struggles, right? In in the very best sense. Not uh, even when we're living living in in peaceful uh, conditions. We forgot our earplugs. The, the, we got uh, fired. The, the, we had a fight with a loved one. The kids uh, again put the, forgot their socks at the beginning, the middle of the room. Um, the person in front of us is driving too slow. Life is a struggle. And so uh, when we, out of our agony, we reach out a, a teacher or internally, and uh, this uh, Buddha smile is almost irritating and certainly striking. Give me an answer. Tell me what to do. Uh, identify with the problem that I'm having here. My life is in shatters. What should I do? And, and the master wearing the faintest of smiles. And what do the first two or three verses of the Gita say? You speak words of wisdom, O prince, but your sorrow is in vain. For the truly wise never mourn, neither the living nor the slain. There was never a time we were not, me or you or these enemy kings, nor can there be any future in which we ever cease being. Amazing, isn't it? Yes, beautiful. So first, this uh, violent pull of the rug under the feet, the, the disciple, hey, dude, he says, let me remind you. <laughs> the basic premise for after the, the initial shock he goes uh, on to discuss the various uh, practical ways of how to live our lives here and now. But the initial uh, point is, let's uh, remind ourselves, you're not this body or this mind. You're not. Our life itself. You are the divine. Living in a body, not to neglect the duties of the body. Forget your earplugs, Isaac. That's important. Don't just think you can talk your way out of uh, by speaking about things of spirit. If you forget your earplugs, audio quality will not be good. And eventually you'll not be interviewed, right? <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, no, but the, the, you see the point. It's, it's, it's not this wishy-washy, uh, tree-hugging approach of uh, forget about matter. And all of the Gita is around this wonderful intersection of identifying, uh, accepting matter, dealing with daily life, practical advice of how to live life uh, wisely, and at the same time, connecting to the deepest questions of who we really are and who we aren't. Yes, it's so beautiful. One of, one of the things that struck me that you said in the introduction of the book was about that we don't have to go searching basically through philosophy or some guru yeah. or some other means to find this divine wisdom that yeah. it's, it's actually, yeah. you say, within our own heart and within our own yeah. hands. Yeah, yeah. It is, uh, th this is the, the main uh, message or an, an, an 
an important message of the Gita. Is it, while it's easy for us to mistake the dialogue of the Gita, oh, maybe, you know, it's a historic book, 2000, two millennium and a half old, millennia, and uh, it's uh, this uh, Indian mythological uh, god and then his uh, disciple, no, 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 this is here and now. But when, as we go into it, we realize that this is a pervasive mistake that we have in our spiritual journey in general. We think, even, even when we're well-motivated, and, and the Gita revolves around the importance of a teacher, uh, finding and connecting to people of wisdom and, and uh, sharing wisdom together with other disciples, and, uh, and we're all fellow uh, seekers. But at the same time, realizing that it's not the individual therapist or guru or method or religion that we need to, to look outside, these are all reflection of the inner voice of wisdom. And, and uh, every one of us, I, I believe, that, that has had the, the experience of, uh, of meeting uh, teachers uh, uh, along the way, big or small, famous or, or nondescript. When words are wisdom, of wisdom are spoken to you, you do feel the divine speaking through the eyes, smiling at you through the eyes of people around you, through the eyes of your children, your loved one, a wise teacher that, uh, or friend that, that you meet uh, along the way. And so realizing that this is actually an inner dialogue that you're holding with the inner voice of your heart. Inner dialogue does not mean a dialogue with your mind. This is the chatter that we have constantly. That's not it. It's the voice of silence that's within your heart. This is the power of meditation. We, we, anyone who's, who's meditated in whatever shape or form, even if it's meditation while you're just enjoying uh, jogging and, and, uh, and enjoying the flow that's, uh, that's there. It is from the silence from within that uh, we connect to, to, uh, to wisdom, which typically is beyond words. That's what the Gita is encouraging us to do. And why do you think that this is so important for this particular time? You you chose to bring this wow. beautiful translation out now. Yeah. What do you, what do you Look, think that's about? You, you know, we, we're, I guess, in every time, people living in that time would have said something similar to what I'm saying now. So I'm not saying that this is the the most important time in, in history uh, but we, we can all feel, uh, but it is a very important, very relevant uh, message for, for, uh, for our time here and now. Think about it. Uh, I don't think that there's ever been a time where the tension between the material and the spiritual has been as pronounced as it is right now. Uh, think about it. The, uh, in the past, tens of years ago, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, you had to be in India in a secluded group to be discussing these highest truths. Now you click onto Amazon and you get a windfall of the deepest uh, scriptures that there were. They they were initially in very in guarded, uh, secluded um, hermit communities that these truths were discussed. Now you're um, they're they're available. We have a physical abundance that allows us to deal with these things. The Buddhists uh, remind us of fortunate birth. They teach us uh, 
Uh, you know, the, you you uh, you could have been born uh, an animal. You could have been born at a bloody time where, or at a time of of struggle where all you could uh, deal with was was just the the struggle of life itself. Even when we're going through uh, tremendous difficulties, uh, we we have it easy, right? So uh, so there's material wealth that that allows us to be attuned to these things. And we're at the height of crisis of of materialism in politics uh, all around us. Uh, technology is great. I've spent uh, most of my life as a as a career in in, in technology, but the uh, it's um, the, the mesmerizing of of our society in general of around material, but only in in meaning money, but concrete. You know, I spent a decade uh, working in a company that did analysis of the human genome. Great things, uh, wonderful benefit to, to medicine, etc. But it does go hand in hand with enhancing the thought that we are the body. We are the genome. We are this machine. The same way that every year a new version of your iPhone comes uh, on and then the, these great things are uh, happening. It's all very material. So... Not to mention the moral bankruptcy that we see all around us, regardless of, of our political denomination uh, and the divides, these, these terrible divides of intolerance uh, to uh, other people's uh, faith. And uh, so that's on the material side. On the spiritual side, the, the thirst and the availability of uh, seeking spiritual teachings is unprecedented. Who would have thought, you know, millions of people doing meditation, tens of millions in material USA today, having yoga and meditation and and the New York Times bestsellers, number one bestsellers that deal with the deepest truths. So there's this uh, thirst on the one hand and materialism on the other and confusion. The Gita is uniquely suited for exactly that. For, uh, feet firmly placed on the ground, how do we live today? How do we go about daily living? And at the same time, connecting, dusting our heart and, uh, and connecting to the deepest truths that, that lie within. Cat and I host No Code Radio, the weekly hour-long show dedicated to spotlighting musicians within the LGBTQIA community. You can listen to the show every Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at NoCo FM. That's N-O-C-O dot F-M. Colo Radio is an exploration of the sights and sounds that make Colorado unique. From exclusive spotlight interviews with local musicians, artists, and creators, to curated playlists that showcase the diverse sound of the Colorado music scene, Hollow Radio plugs you into the best that our home state has to offer. 
Listen to Caller Radio anytime on demand at noco.fm, the Noco FM mobile app, or wherever you find your podcasts. In the Gita, as you've described it here, there's these three paths to our inner selves. Yes. And can you talk about those? Sure, sure. Uh, one of the things that's really neat about the Gita is the three paths that you, uh, that you mentioned. The Gita has 18 chapters, and it's traditionally uh, divided into three parts, six chapters along each, the path of action, the path of devotion, and the path of wisdom. The path of action, and, and so uh, very much in Indian style, it's not uh, linear, nor is it exact. It is actually messy and uh, repetitive and winding, like winding your way in an enchanting forest or in a noisy bazaar. And so it's uh, the, the themes of these three themes, uh, action, devotion, and wisdom, are in, weaved into each of, the cha- each of the chapters of the Gita, but uh, still these uh, three paths. Uh, what does it mean? The path of action is where we start from. How do we live life wisely? The art of living, uh, working with the ego and with life itself as a spiritual path. This is beautiful. This is uh, wonderful, right? Because uh, basically, and this question comes uh, time and again in the Gita, the disciple says, I'm confused. Tell me, Master, what do you want me to do? You speak about the importance of, of retreating within. So should I retreat from the world? Maybe it, it would be better for me to uh, you know, sit in a cave or go on an indefinite retreat. Even if it cannot be done, our mind is constantly asking us uh, this. We, have, we see these difficulties outside, difficulty in relationship. Well, maybe relationship is not that good and maybe I should uh, retreat re- difficulties in career. Oh, maybe I'm living in the busy life of the city, and if I go, move to the country and to uh, live. And the kid says, no, 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 uh, don't be confused. Living here and now is part of life. It's a gift given to you by God, by the world. Every day is a lesson. Every moment is a lesson. Learn to live, uh, to grow through these uh, lessons through the forgotten earplugs, through the traffic jam on the way to work, through the abusive uh, person that was in line in the coffee shop and and so on and so forth. Um, And so that's the path of action. Then comes the path of devotion. This, This is now taking us to the next level up, opening our hearts, develop, cultivating our emotional intelligence. Again, you can see how relevant these things are for our generation today spirituality that's not locked in within formal religion and the true uh, duration and devotion regardless of your denomination and 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 your beliefs even if you consider yourself an an atheist uh, feeling the divine beauty around you so it's a chapter these are chapters that are poetic beauty, basically uh, telling us now, after we've talked about uh, learning through life itself, open your eyes or close them. Look around you. See the sunset. See God everywhere. In the smiles of your children, 
in the tear of the beloved, in uh, uh, the the leaves that uh, are all imperfect, and that's where their perfectness is. View the unity around it and begin to sense that you are part of that unity. So that's the second part of devotion. Only when you act and and have your action be a prayer itself, there's a verse that says, an action itself then dissolves and is gone. So beautiful, right? Uh, we, uh, as long as you're learning the, the art of acting wisely, even if you're acting less egotistically, there's still me doing the action. But at some point, as we learn and encourage and train ourselves to, uh, to, to do this as, as prayer, uh, and we realize I'm not the doer, this is being done through me, and action itself then dissolves and is gone. There is no acting anymore. There is no actor. There is no uh, deed. It all dissolves. So this this is the uh, vote, the, uh, the path of devotion, which opens the door to the highest path, the path of wisdom. Who am I? Who am I really? I'm not this body. This is the the we began the Gita from these verses. Uh, you're not this body or mind. And so this uh, going deeper into it and getting the tools, the meditative tools to it's as though uh, uh, teaching us, reminding us how to wipe clean the windows of our soul. We are looking, uh, have been habituated to seeing the world uh, thinking I'm an Isaac, I'm a limited person uh, with uh, flaws to uh, coming back home gradually uh, in a lifelong journey. I'm spirit within matter. Uh, I'm the divine or life itself within this uh, body, respecting the the calling, the duties of this specific individual, but uh, connecting to the, the divine unity, which we all are, always have been. Is that where you feel like this interfaces with quantum physics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a great uh, point. When when I started uh, reading, the, I fell in love with the Gita simply for the uh, the truth that, that it had uh, for me when I, um, and, and so, of course, it was uh, Gandhi's uh, deepest source of power and, and inspiration. It wasn't a surprise to uh, hear that it was similar to these uh, great uh, spiritual teachers and artists and, and so forth. But this uh, physicist, nuclear physicist, quantum physicist, you've got to be kidding, man. What's, what's, uh, how, how does that come about? And yes, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, who led the Manhattan uh, Project, and uh, Schrodinger, the famous for the Schrodinger cat uh, conundrum, uh, the greatest thinkers of quantum physics identified with the Vedanta philosophy. It is called the, the philosophy which is poetically expressed uh, in the Gita, because like in quantum uh, physics, they uh, are habitual way of looking at the world tells us quantum physics is really not there. We're holding, having this conversation. I'm looking at the camera. Uh, I see a, a beautiful person speaking to me. Going deeper, we can analyze it uh, through uh, classic physics and understand that there are uh, lights of rays that uh, touch uh, pieces of uh, skin and the hair and then reflect uh, different colors. But going deeper, 
in quantum physics level, these are all atoms and and a soup of subatomic particles uh, that is, um, and so there's really nothing there, the, the unity which the Gita uh, talks about and which exists side by side with our experience of emotions and sensations, etc. The Gita is touches that and so that's that's where these physicists actually went for inspiration the merging of this for me is is just always been so beautiful as this has come into fruition where it does seem like whether it's philosophy or psychology spirituality and now science all merging in this beautiful way and in this beautiful dance where it all seems to validate each other it doesn't it, yeah. And and think about the you know and and the sheer number of persons of the artists and poets and thinkers across continents across centuries is mind numbing. Beethoven scribbled a verse in his uh, diary, and Leonard Cohen spoke uh, about it, and Philip Glass composed it, and George Harrison sang it. People so diverse, Julia Roberts and Will Smith and uh, Shirley MacLaine. And I mean, the list goes on and on from these classics, uh, Jung and Gandhi uh, and uh, Barack Obama. You, you know, this it's uh, really uh, amazing. That, uh, but then uh, th- this is the magic of the Gita. It's a, it's a very personal it's written as a sort of a magical potion that we all find uh, it speaking to us directly. This is what I think I also tried to work on in, in my translation to try and, and polish the verses to their original form where this is very, very simple. It's like the Gita is saying, mm, you know, forget about philosophy. You don't really need these big textbooks. You don't need the theories. Let me just talk to you about it. Let's just eye-level dialogue. This is why the uh, the setting initially seems a, a bit awkward. I mean, uh, um, the, the setting for the dialogue is at, at a freeze frame, if you will, at the beginning of a battle. This is not Sermon on the Mount with uh, Jesus overlooking the Sea of Galilee and a shady. This is not a Sarnath, the Buddha with four disciples talking about the Four Noble Truths bloody, messy battle, and then freeze frame, and all of the armies on the two sides are frozen, as it were, in a moment, and there and then ensues the dialogue of the Gita, where the prince says, tell me, God, what is this crazy world all about? What is this life about? I, I'm saying that this is uh, so typical and, and uh, critical of, uh, for, the, for the Gita, because it is only in the urgency of battle and a freeze frame, that this is a no BS dialogue. Give it to me straight. No philosophy. This is not for some philosophers to philosophize on. No, 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 no. This is the real thing. And so come the verses, each one a polished diamond uh, with its exact geometry. I was blown away after years of working on the guitar and putting it into a, a poetic uh, format because it felt right to realize that it was actually written in this poetic format and that, in fact, the uh, meter that I was attracted to translating in, uh, to, to, tra- to translate it in, was the very meter that it was written in, eight verses in each of four lines. Uh, so amazing. And it is this uh, musicality that allows it, uh, the, these verses to really roll around in our mind and to do their thing.
because it's a it's a cookbook it's a practical guide for changing our lives not for idle uh, reading or for uh, making the the, the intellect uh, happier and and richer oh i can quote uh, verses from the gita forget about that that's that's not interesting oh i have mastered uh, this we're all disciples we're all humble we we all flounder there's a verse that I really like in the Gita that says, lift yourself by yourself, O Prince, and let not yourself flounder low. You yourself are your biggest friend, as well as your very worst foe. And so this is really capturing the essence of the, the Gita as we pursue a, a happiness in our life. It sounds like the beautiful analogy that the battlefield that they're on really yes. represents the internal battlefield that that's, we have. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The internal battlefield, uh, which is uh, which we learn to see uh, in the battlefields around us. We begin our journey focused on the outside. We see our uh, struggles, our enemies. This is what the prince says. He says, hey, uh, friend, I have a problem. There's an army out to kill me. Where is your problem? Asks his heart. And he says, ah, this bad guy here, this bad guy there. What should I do? Uh, use my sword, use my uh, arrow. The, the teacher compassionately, step by step, takes him inside. Dear friend, he says, <laughs> this is a misper- miscon- misperception. Your real enemy is the ego, what, which you thought is you. It's not you. You are the silence within, beyond so- thoughts, beyond the emotions. And, and, and so um, using the struggles outside to find peace uh, inside by retreating within, not in, a, in the sense of uh, escaping from the world, but rather living life uh, fully to its uh, fullest, but doing so as a spiritual school. That each moment, each experience, like you said, becomes yeah, then yeah. that lesson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, you shared one verse that really spoke to you. Are there certain parts of the Gita that really speak to your heart and soul? Oh, you know, it's a question that I, I, I get asked a lot. And I have three children uh, in life, uh, and I feel that the Gita's uh, 700 verses, I often feel they're like beloved children. Uh, and so you ask the parent, "What's who's your favorite child? <laughs> Big problem. <laughs> uh, um, I can't say that that it's different. And I've heard this from many of my students uh, and lovers of the, the Gita. This is uh, really the beauty of it. Every point in life, every phase, a certain verse will be with you and will uh, haunt you in a very positive sense, like music that gets stuck in a a moving song that uh, keeps uh, singing in your ear or comes up at the right uh, moment. A couple of verses uh, that that come to mind that I used to carry around for a couple of years because I I couldn't, I didn't want to be far away from, uh, from them. I see nothing at all the wise never forgets, heart united with the divine enlightened soul. Whether sleeping, whether grasping, walking, sleeping or breathing, whatever is seen or what the eyes behold, eyes open or shut, whatever seen or heard, silently, without words, the wise always knows. 
I do not see any sight. I do not hear. It is the senses that see and hear all those. So, you know, these amazing truths of poetic beauty, so profound. Each each verse uh, has this profound, this, this first verse that I quoted goes first to whether grasping or moving, sleeping or breathing. You peel the layers from uh, grasping is something very active. Moving is something that's also active, but, you know, you drive on your way to work and you don't notice that, that you're actually doing. Sleeping, is sleeping an activity? Yes, that's also, or breathing, Christ's sake, that's, that's, so through all of these things, I do not see any sight, I do not hear. It is the senses that see and hear all those beautiful verses. <laughs> And I want to make sure that I'm following that. It's it's that there's something deeper that's yes, yes, living it is, through it, us. It, it, is, it is saying we're usually identifying so much with the, uh, with the body and the mind that it's uh, constantly, I am seeing, I am hearing, and I'm... I'm, I'm uh, it's like over-identified yeah, over with the outer uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm enslaved to this. And so uh, the grasping, the needing, I want this, I want that. If I don't get my chocolate now, I won't be happy, etc. And so this uh, view, which, which uh, like in a tantric approach of savoring life, enjoying everything, that is fine. But as these sensations go in and we enjoy them, developing the detachment I do not see any sight. I do not hear. It is the senses that see and hear all those. Letting us, uh, let us enjoy this dance of life uh, with passionate aspect of it. Enjoy every drop of wine, every kiss, every chocolate, every, as well as every uh, sweat and and the anger and the fear and the and hurt. These are all coming through our senses and through our mind and are in yet another opportunity for us to cultivate deep wisdom. I do not see any sight. I do not hear. It is the senses that see and hear all those. This is life itself experiencing life. We begin this journey through from this very lonely and weak and hopeless, really, position. I am this limited body and mind, this flawed personality, that's what I am. And around me, separate from me, a world of others who are against me. And so what hope uh, have we? And uh, through it all, we come to realize we are life itself. As waves in ocean, we begin in isolation. I am wave uh, Johnny, you know, uh, <laughs> I have this whiff of foam uh, for hair, I have this wavelet uh, Marta for a uh, wife, and I have this cute, uh, and I'm going to die, and I'm, I'm, I'm fading away, I'm getting old, and from it and through it, from the path of action, through the path of devotion, and finally to the path of wisdom, wisdom arises. I'm not this individual wave, I'm doing its calling, I'm living its uh, destiny. I thought of, uh, you know, you asked about beautiful verses uh, of specific interest from, from the Gita. And one of these verses, which uh, 
is from the 18th chapter and is one of those verses that sort of seems to capture an, an important essence. Uh, says, only one who knows inner self knows true happiness, happiness pure. Bitter first, but then lo, what sweetness from illusion's sorrow, the cure. So we're all uh, on this journey from uh, mud to lotus, if you will, from our material, physical life, uh, messy in this messy world, to the inner journey of the white lotus flower in our heart of who we really are. And it is in this uh, search of who we truly are that we find the true happiness, not just the uh, enjoying what the senses uh, enjoy, but learning to enjoy that which is beyond senses and is the reunion serenity that we find within. Gita has certainly brought a lot of light into my life and I'm happy to share it now with others through this magical scripture. This was such an inspirational show. I just felt mesmerized as I was speaking with Isaac because what he's speaking about as he has translated the Bhagavad Gita is this beautiful life journey that is so parallel and so intricately connected to this timeless experience that we all have of life, that we all face battlefields, whether it's within our own mind or heart or the external circumstances of our lives. And that the Gita can really be this wonderful guide for us, that we can learn to befriend ourselves and learn to have this sense of, we are more than our experience, like he was just speaking about. We're more than our five senses and what's going on externally. And that we can learn to pause and journey within and be in touch with our divine nature. The part that he was talking about that, as they say in quantum physics, all of energy, one that is never born and never dies, we could also call it our divine spark within. And how important it is that we can find this inner peace, no matter what's going on in the world around us, and that to change the world around us, we must first change our world within. And that's what the Gita helps to do, talking about the three paths of action, devotion, and wisdom. So my hope is that you will continue to check out these things that work best for you, the way that you can best experience your own divine spark, regardless of philosophy or religion, whatever your orientation is, that true spiritual personal growth and transformation can happen when we journey within. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.